0: Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with us to the book of Titus, the book of Titus, chapter number two. And we'll begin reading down in verse number 11. Titus chapter two and verse number 11. I want to uh, preach on this thought this morning of keep calm. It's almost wedding day. And uh, you say, Pastor, this is an odd sermon. It may be, but I believe if you'll bear with me for just a few moments you'll see where we're going from scripture in Titus chapter 2 beginning in verse number 11 the Bible says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify him uh, for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. Again, this morning, I want to preach on this thought of keeping calm. It's almost wedding day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. And Lord, for the next few moments, God, as we have gathered together, Lord, we do not need to hear from man or a preacher. Lord, we need to hear from heaven. And God, we ask that you might speak through me, Lord, that your Holy Spirit might have liberty and freedom to move and speak to our hearts. Lord, to give to us the message that we stand in need of. Father, I say, thank you for your wonderful mercies, the blood of Christ, Lord, your love for the church. God, we thank you so much. We're unworthy of it. Lord, we're unworthy of your mercy. Lord, even as American, as we celebrate Lord and say thank you to our veterans, yet God, as I look at our nation and where we've turned our back on you, God, we're unworthy of your mercy and grace. Yet, Lord, you've given it freely. Father, we say thank you so much from the depths of my soul. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. The Bible says in verse number 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ we're looking for our blessed hope this morning and the truth is as we begin to look around this world it doesn't take long to recognize or just a quick uh, examination of society will tell us that we're in trouble but the truth of the matter is I'm not looking around or looking uh, any other direction other than upward towards our Heavenly Father and we understand that Jesus Christ is coming again. And our blessed hope is not in this world, but it's in Jesus Christ and him alone. He is our hope of tomorrow, our hope of today. Jesus Christ is our all in all. The truth of the matter is, is that I can almost hear the trumpet. If you sound and listen this morning, I believe with all my heart that God himself is preparing his son saying son go get your bride and that day will not be long and Jesus Christ is our blessed hope the Bible says that we are to look we are looking for that blessed hope that hope that we're looking for is that the groom is going to come and gather his bride the church and bring us to himself the bride of Christ. The Bible teaches that the church, those who are saved, you and I, we are the bride of Christ, and Christ is our groom. Now, to really understand this, you have to step back for a moment and to begin to examine uh, what marriage means, not from a Uh, 21st century American context but rather from an ancient uh, Israeli uh, and Hebrew context and that is that weddings were done much different then than they are now now uh, we find that the wedding uh, couples engage, uh, and then they they plan for a wedding ceremony. They have the ceremony, and they leave married. But in in an ancient Hebrew text, it was a a context. It was much different in that day and period. A a man and a father or two fathers would come together. They would betroth their kids, and there were actually two ceremonies that would transpire. The first ceremony, the celebration, would happen when that couple was betrothed one to another. They were espoused as Mary and Joseph were. They were betrothed to be married. During that time, there would be a great celebration that there was a wedding that was going to transpire. But then after that there was a period where the groom would not yet take the bride to be his wife but he would go back and he would begin to make preparations to uh, to start a family to have a home and to have his new wife to be and so during this period of time they were they had they were officially bound together the only way they could separate this betrothal was through a writing of divorce they were legally bound to one another and yet we find that through that period of time Although the bride and the groom were not uh, living together, they were bound morally and physically. They were bound one to another. So much that the Bible teaches that... um, the bride, and she during that time, she must be faithful to the groom, her husband to be. She could not go sleep around. She must preserve herself as a virgin in in, in this Israeli context. And so, therefore, when that wedding came, she, there was a proof. They had to know that she had to be a virgin on their wedding night. And so, we find here the Bible says that we're looking for our blessed hope for Christ to return. For his bride. And then the Bible begins to say that we are to uh, deny ourselves. And the, and the Bible lays out some characteristics that we are required of of the church. But look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse number 2. The Bible says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousies. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ and so the church you and I as believers we have been betrothed to our uh, heavenly groom which is God Jesus Christ who one day will come and he will uh, gather his bride together we will be joined together with him in the clouds and the Bible says so shall we ever be with the Lord and so we are been purchased by God we were purchased by Jesus Through the blood of Christ on the cross of Calvary. And we are in that period of time where he has gone back to heaven. And he said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And so here's where we're at today. If you're a Savior, a child of God, you are part of the Bride of Christ. And what we're doing is we're waiting on our gro- the groom to come, knowing that one day he will come and receive us to himself. But in 2 Corinthians, the Bible says that he may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That is, that we are to keep ourselves pure and, and, and Bought to Christ and to Christ alone. Now I want you to make make this clear that our righteousness is not found in ourselves. Jesus Christ, we boast not in ourselves, but we boast in the righteousness of Him. We are righteous. We can stand before Him as holy and pure this morning, not because we are good. Not because we have earned righteousness, but my righteousness is this, that he is righteous and that he has imparted or imputed unto me his righteousness. That it is the blood of Christ upon me that has washed away my sins. Not that I have not sinned, but I am presented to him as sinless because his righteousness has washed away my sin. It's all about Jesus Christ this morning. It's not you, it's not I, it's not religion, it's not church affiliation. It is Jesus Christ and him alone. It is the blood of Christ. But how do we live righteously? Verse number 12 says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. We present ourselves righteous to him by fleeing sin. By fleeing sin. By saying, listen, we will abstain just as a young man or young woman will say, listen, I will retain my virginity, I will remain chaste. I know this isn't popular preaching in uh, 2022 that everybody says just live and do whatever you want, but the truth is the Bible still calls adultery sin, and it doesn't matter what society says, the Word of God stands true. And just as we would say to our young people or older adults alike, that uh, the Bible says that marriage is undefiled and uh, the bed's undefiled in marriage. We know that it's okay in the confines of marriage, but out, outside of marriage, it's sin. That's what the Bible says. We may not like it, but sin is sin whether we like it or not. And so the Bible says, just as a uh, young man or lady should save themselves for marriage, and young people, I want to encourage you, keep yourself for marriage. Keep yourself for your wedding day. I know the world says that's old-fashioned, but I want you to know you'll never go wrong following God's precepts. God is always right by fleeing sin. By denying ourselves, saying, Listen, I will deny my flesh, I will deny my own self, and I will remain faithful to Him. In a spiritual context, it is remaining faithful to Jesus Christ is saying listen I will not whore myself spiritually out but I will remain faithful to Jesus Christ I will not put my faith I will not put my trust in man-made religion I will not even trust in my own self I will not trust in abilities or things but rather my faith will remain faithful and true to the Lord Jesus Christ he's worthy of all by fleeing sin Second of all, we may retain our righteousness by garnering the mind of Christ. Hebrews chapter uh, 1 and verse number 3. The Bible says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins... Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 14. It says, (coughs) How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleansing your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Jesus Christ has purged our sins. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we deny ourselves and say, Lord, I want your mind, your heart, God, you live through me. And the issue is, though, that rather most of the time, we do what we want, when we want, with a mindset that no one's going to tell me what to think or do, I'll do whatever I want. And God saying... Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus. Because he's cleansed and purchased and purged our sin. Keep calm. It's almost wedding day. You know, when you see individuals about to get married, and most of you have been through that, you know that the days leading up to it, the nerve, your nerves kind of get wore out, don't they? maybe it's been a while you may have to go back a few years or decades to think about it but uh... the truth is when the weddings coming there's butterflies in your stomach you're nervous ladies you can tell us more about it i've witnessed it from doing many weddings but the brides are always nervous everything has to be just in its place and worried that somebody's gonna mess up and the truth is i've never seen a wedding one that didn't have some hiccup something always happens don't it we're worried about it what if no one shows up on our wedding list or even worse yet what if everyone shows up what do we do keep calm it's almost wedding day You know, as a Christian, I I can sense that Christ, I, I truly believe that He's coming soon. But what do we do? First is we live righteously. Second of all, we must look expectantly. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 and 6. The Bible says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. The five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil and their vessels with their lamps. But when the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard Behold the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. From the story, you know, the five who had oil in their lamps, they were ready to go. And the other five were left behind. You say, Pastor, what are we to do while we're waiting for Christ? Live righteously, but then look expectantly. We should anticipate the soon return of Christ. And as Christians, we should pray, So come, Lord Jesus. We should pray for the return of Christ. We should be praying, Lord, would you come back? And we need Christ. Jesus Christ, his return, is the answer that we seek this world wants peace we speak of peace the world talks of peace and there will be a false peace for three and a half years when the antichrist comes but there will not be true peace until jesus christ reigns upon his throne for a thousand years then the world will know peace we should be praying we should anticipate his his return acts chapter 1 verse number 11 who said also men of galilee why do you stand gazing up into heaven this same jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven we should anticipate his coming we should be looking for the return of christ but here's something i've often heard is that some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good we ought to be looking for Christ to come. We should be anticipating his come. We should be praying for Christ's return, but we must not sit on our laurels saying that it's going to that he's coming, therefore there's no sense in doing anything. We must not procrastinate. We must be faithful to say, "Lord, I'm anticipating your coming." But you know what? the Apostles believed he was coming back any day and it's been almost 2,000 years and he still hasn't returned and we know that a day with man is a thousand a day with God is like a thousand years to man and Christ is coming back he's coming back soon but he's not bound to my timeline And I believe that he's coming back soon. It'll almost surprise me if he does not come back in my lifetime. Boy, the signs are appearing. It seems like everything's ready. Christ's return is imminent. But we cannot sit upon our church pew and say, well, he's coming back. Why get busy? What's the point now? It's too late. No, the Bible said, listen, why stand ye here gazing into the heavens? Don't just stand there and look waiting for the return. Go out, get busy, share the gospel, share the good news. Tell the world about Jesus Christ. Thirdly, tying in with that, what we must do is we must labor intensely. We must labor intensely. Intensely. Verse number 14 says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own people, zealous for good works. We must labor intensely, one against the flesh. We must labor against the flesh. It's easy to live to please our flesh, isn't it? I don't know why God made things that way. God did. There's no doing no good to argue about it. We might as well just live with it. But it seems like it's just nature that the things that are bad are easy to do. And the things that are good, it takes work. You say, preacher, is that true? Sure it is. Why does ice cream taste so good? And broccoli tastes a so nasty <laughs> good things are hard bad things are easy so we must labor the Bible says zealous for good works that we would say listen I'm zealous I, I'm excited I'm gonna battle against my flesh that I may do good that he might be pleased with me see he's coming back soon it may be today, maybe tomorrow, it may be next year. But Jesus Christ is coming again, and when he comes again, will he find us ready? Will he find us busy? Will he find us laboring like the, like the men who were given talents 110, 15, 111? Those who were given much went and labored, and they were, they were rewarded for their good deed. But the one buried his talent in the sand. When he came back, what did the good master do? He took the talent from the one and gave it to him and had ten. We ought to be zealous for good works. Are we? Are we we laboring against our flesh? And then with that, we must be laboring for our Heavenly Father. Are we laboring for His glory? I can include myself in this. I know you can too, but if we really did an examination, took an inventory of our life, how much time are we spending laboring on things that have no eternal significance? We say we have no time to serve God, we're just out of time. How much time are we wasting on things that do? not matter we're like the five virgins we've let the oil run dry in our lamps we've put it off but the groom's coming soon are we preparing are you ready to meet Jesus Christ this morning I want to close with this Whether you're ready or not, he is coming. And when he comes, is he coming for you? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you were to die right now, are you prepared to meet your God? And if not, I want you to know He had poured out his life and his blood on Calvary. He has paid the price to ransom you, to redeem you to himself. He desires to bring you into the church, into into the bride of Christ. He desires to give you life and to redeem you of your sins and to make you new. The Bible says that he says in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man will hear my voice and open the door. I will come in. Have you opened your door of your heart to Jesus Christ? And if not, would you do it today? Ever head bowed and ever eye closed? If you would stand with us, if you're able. Ever head bowed and ever eye closed, no one looking around? This morning I wonder... Is there someone here today who could say, Pastor? I'll be honest with you. If Christ returns today, if you could say, Pastor, I know that I'm ready to meet God. If he if he comes back today, I know that I'm ready to meet him. Would you raise your hand up? I want to see you say, Pastor, I know I'm ready to meet God. Put your hands back down. There were hands all over that could not be raised. This morning, if you couldn't raise your hand, you don't know. You're not sure that you're ready. I encourage you right now, as Sister Kay, if you'd begin to play, um, if you're here and you could not raise your hand, Would you come down to the altar this morning? I'll meet you, I'll pray with you if you want me to. If you just wanna pray and do business with the Lord, that's fine, but if God is speaking to your heart right now, would you come, would you come to the altar? Would you ask God to work in your heart that you may be ready to meet him when he comes? How about it this morning, there's plenty of room. Some have come, yet there's room for more. If Christ is speaking to your heart, would you come? We're about to sing, we we'll Brother Ronnie to sing a verse or two. If God has spoke to your heart today, don't, de- don't delay, don't wait. Do not leave today until you know that your heart right with him.